0: Welcome to the Sisterhood and Co-Podcast. I'm your host Harriet Blevins. This podcast is designed to empower, educate, and encourage women of all ages and stages of life in their walk with God. Our goal and intent is to provide you with the best content and topics relevant to your lives as Christians. We will have conversations with other leaders all along the way and discuss topics all of us want and need to hear. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoy the journey with me. Look at all your beautiful faces. Man, packed it in here today, didn't we? We had to get it handled in the morning, right? Had to get it handled in the morning because we have a lot going on this week. I do want to make y'all aware of the church wide worship night on Thursday night at the church, it's going to be amazing. And when I mean at the church, I mean at the gym, at the activity center, you know, where we call church. And um, how many of you were able to go last night to the celebrate recovery tenure? I mean, I just saw the pictures. Well done, look like an amazing. Um, Tim came home. I had my freedom group last night, so I didn't get to go, but he said, he was just speechless actually, just how moved he was by all of it. Just such a beautiful, what a beautiful ministry that is. Beautiful ministry um, led by beautiful people. Just awesome. So good. How many of y'all have heard about the revival going on at Asbury College? Isn't that awesome? Since last Wednesday, um, you know, worship started sometime in the evening, and it was all student-led, and they haven't stopped since. And they've just been going in shifts, and they've been round the clock, on their face, before the Lord, in worship. It's just a beautiful thing. I got, I got a text this morning of a picture at the campus pastor at Lee University is now reporting that a student-led prayer meeting has burst out. It started at 11 a.m. This was yesterday morning and had not stopped by this morning. So God is moving. Even in the midst of crazy world, He is moving. And you know, that's what happens, right? Everything gets darker, darker, darker. And what gets brighter then the noonday sun is Jesus and his people. It is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I, I, I want to stay very um, connected to follow that and to see. And we're going to talk about revival a little bit this morning toward the end of my message. Have you enjoyed the series so far? Yeah. So I hope if you've not been able to come every week that you can catch it on the podcast because we do load those up on, I think, Thursday mornings. They go on to the podcast, and it's the same thing as here. Um, They're recording the podcast right now as I'm speaking, so those that need to go back and listen to it will be able to do so. So I'm going to recap. I always do that before I start so we kind of can all get on the same page. Week one, Jesus's first words of ministry, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. He's like, y'all, it's here. It's me. I'm here. I am it. Week two, Nicole brought the righteousness, peace, and joy, uh, which is uh, um. I could go on and on about that peace, joy, and I almost got going down that trail studying for today. Because that's a huge piece of, you know, when we're, when we're missing one of those, we miss a third of the kingdom. So you don't have peace in your life? Fight for it. Yeah, go back, go back, go back to where it started, right? Put Jesus back in the middle. And it just, it is, it's just a beautiful thing. That whole that whole message was awesome. She really broke those three down in such a great way. The next week we talked about our dominion, right? From page one, Genesis one in the Bible, what our dominion is and what we we have been given dominion to rule and reign on the earth with God. Mind-blowing concept. Can't even get my head fully around all that, because I look at that and think, I wouldn't have done it that way. Right? I look at us and go, whew. That, it's a lot, you know, but God was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm partnering with them to bring my dominion rule to the earth. That was a big lesson. Last week we talked about Matthew uh, five, which is Jesus's very first ever sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And we talked through all of the pieces of that and really, um, the upside downness of Living in the kingdom of God. It truly is like being upside down and upside driving in Australia It's like being in a weird. It's a, a weird, you know wonky Environment, you know the everything even what Tim was talking about this week on Sunday I was thinking his title less is more now. That's only in the kingdom less is more only in the kingdom Right, because usually less is just less right but less is more in the kingdom of God. So that things, you know, if you want to go high, go low. If you want to get, give. You know all the things. It's, it's all upside down. So we are on week six. And uh, I told you we're going to dive into the miracle signs and wonders portion of the kingdom of God. And this is, I want to tell you, this topic is huge. Say huge. I mean, it's absolutely huge. It's so Huge. That denominations and churches have split over this. And I'm going to explain a little bit about. um, It's not just huge in its scope, but also in the biblical theology of it. The study of what this actually is. Um, There are people who believe that the power and gifts of the Holy Spirit, they cessated. Can you say that? Cessated. Cessated. That belief is called cessationism we are not cessationist in this house we we are not we believe in the full gospel we are a full gospel church we believe in all the Bible and that all the gifts that Jesus did and he told us were st- they're still happening today they're still going on today we believe that the signs the wonders and miracles we believe they're still going so a cessationism, uh, ideology or theology believes that when the disciples died, or when the Bible was finished being written, that those things ceased. That's what that word means. That's not what we believe. We don't believe that. Because guess what? If that were the truth, no one would ever even get saved. I want y'all to think about this. How many of you would say that your own personal decision to follow Jesus actually came by a miracle because mine did I was far far away from the Lord I didn't know how to get to the Lord even though I was drugged to church three times a week and went to vacation Bible school and girls in action and act teens and all of it in here I knew in here was not close to him I knew that it didn't matter what my outside was doing that is a miracle when, when the power of God through the power of the Holy Spirit, when it hits a person on earth, a human, and causes them to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior who came to earth, died an awful death, rose again, is seated at the right hand of the Father so we can have eternal life. That is a miracle, a sign, and a wonder, period. But I want to give y'all a big news flash. That's not where it ends. That is not where it ends. That is just the beginning. And that is what causes people grief. And, And this is the reason. When you are in a church that is the first whatever church of whatever town you're in, and you're raised in a mainline denominational church, many of those church leaders cannot explain this. And because you can't explain it, you have to wrap some kind of thinking around it. So the thinking is, God doesn't do that anymore. He doesn't move like that anymore. That's not what, that's not what, and that's cessationism. So, here at Life Church, that is not what we believe. We believe that anything God has ever done, He can still do and will do again, that nothing is impossible with Him, and that all the gifts of the Holy Spirit are resonant in us today and to be fulfilled on the earth today not just salvation all of it say all of it all All of it all of that it's a miracle when we get saved that is a sign and a wonder that's the kingdom coming to earth but that's just the beginning so here we go well we heard gina's beautiful story about her son levi being healed that how many of you know that's a miracle when you're told your child has a tumor and it's not i mean this it was a situation. But you know what they did? They went, they fasted, they prayed. They latched a hold of a testimony. Say testimony. And that testimony was the seedbed for another testimony. And when she shared that on Sunday, that whole message was another seedbed for how many, who knows how many testimonies of miracles will come from that. Because it goes all over the world. That's the interwebs, the World Wide Web's. You know, it's like it goes everywhere, and that's the beauty of it. I love it. How, there's many of you in this room. You yourself, even if at the time you were struggling to believe God still moves like that on the earth, you yourself have experienced a miracle. Every one of us have. If we got saved, we—that's the first one. I mean, but all of us have had where where God. In his person and his bigness crashes into your earthly situation. Yeah. And you're like, I, I had no explanation. I don't know. I don't, It was like this. And now it's like this. I mean, it's just a beautiful thing. It's just beautiful. It's so beautiful. So I sat with the Holy Spirit and I said, what do you want these women to know? All of us, because myself included, because how, how many of you know, when I'm studying, I'm learning right along with you. What? Do you want them to know about this miraculous part of the kingdom of God? So I hope, this is what I hope today does, that it builds a biblical foundation so that when you leave here, you never, ever again question whether the Lord moves on the earth still today like he did in the New Testament. I hope you never question that again. I hope you grab hold of the actual truth and that it sets you free if you're bound in that way. That's what my prayer is today. So let's pray as we dig into it and then we're just gonna unpack it. So Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for these women. I thank you for every background they represent, their homes, their families. God, I thank you for their hearts to grow and learn and even be knit more together, even in our gathering today. God, I ask that you would teach all of us by your word, that you would reveal to us even new things that we may not have known or may never have considered, even to be of you. We ask that you would open our eyes today in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. So. I'm going to talk today about two areas, and this is going to lay the groundwork for going into um, the the next part of Matthew and some of the New Testament. So what I want you to do is put a bookmark in Matthew, where we've been kind of going along on this kingdom of God. We're going to put a bookmark there, because today we're going to take a little bit of journey, and we're going to lay a a grounding, a foundation of two things before we get into What happened when it says that he went about healing all those who were sick and oppressed of the devil? Like that, what in the world, what did all that look like? And what should it look like in our life today? That's what we're talking about next week. Today, we're laying the foundation and that has to be succeeded with two things, testimony and inheritance. Two things and they go hand in hand. So what do I mean by that? So if we are going to dive in to doing all the things that Jesus did, right? And that's what we're called to do. We're called to do the things that Jesus did. We're called to walk in our rabbi, our king's footsteps, and do the things things that he did. And then he said we're even going to do greater things than he did, which is mind-blowing, we, we've got to get this part of testimony. So every week, our staff gathers at, um, at our staff meeting, and we have fun, we pray together, we meet, we do all the things, but we always start every single meeting with, with this part of the meeting, tell me something good. Every week, we do it. Gina says, I want everybody to go around the table, tell me something good. Now, why would we do that? What would be the reason for us to start a staff meeting? You think we'd just get right down to the you know, issue at hand and just get going with it, but we don't. We do that because we tell the testimonies that we have heard all through the week or maybe on the previous Sunday of all God is doing in all your lives And that gives life to us as we lead. We talk about that and we we thank the Lord for that. And we are just so, it just just makes us so happy. We're like, look what all God is doing. And when everybody brings their tell me something good, it lifts the whole, right? Testimony does that. It lifts us up to a new place. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And that's why we do it. So testimony is saying what God has done. That's what it is. It's saying, this is what God has done. Now, I used to get asked frequently, not as much anymore. I don't know why. I don't know if maybe it's not a thing anymore. But you all may have been, you may have been asked many times as well. To go to such and such a group and share my my testimony. The problem with that is, is that we are never the main character of the testimony. Right. Right. Our stories are a testimony because they tell this is what God has done. This is what God has done. Not what we have done, what he has done. It's, it's amazing, amazing. So remember, we'll come back to Matthew next week. I want you to go to Acts 1-8. Now I'm going to tell you all. A lot of people, church, there's whole denominations of people, groups that just fall apart in the book of Acts. And I do want to tell you something about the book of Acts. It's the only book in the Bible that isn't finished because the Acts of the Holy Spirit are still happening today. They are not ended. They did not end. They're still going on today. So let's go to Acts 1-8. When you're there, say, I'm there. there. Okay. I'm not there. I'm getting there. (laughs) Sorry, I'm getting there. Okay. Acts 1-8 says, and how is it that we each hear them in our own language, which we were born? I'm sorry. This is not the, this is not, that was not the, um, hold on. Acts 1-8. Hold on. This is not it. Okay. Michelle, I'm going to give you a task. I want you to look up where this was. This was Jesus speaking, and, and right now in this, this is not Jesus speaking in here. So um, this, is, this is the verse I want to um, share with you. But you shall receive power. Here is that it? Well, that's one eight. It is. Okay, what am I? Oh, y'all, I'm in two eight. <laughs> it doesn't work the same when you're not in the right chapter. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Shell's like, this is, I was like, wow, that's fast, Shell. It's like <laughs> we're mind reading. So good. <laughs> I had it. Okay, so it says, but you shall receive power. Say power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, now let me say, I'm going to differentiate something right here. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you to indwell you immediately when you get saved. But then let me tell you, there's a second coming of the Holy Spirit where it comes upon, say upon. It comes upon you and that coming upon you is for the whole world. It's not for you. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is for you. The coming on you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for those around you you. That's what this is talking about. You will receive power with that word dunamis, dynamite. It is like being plugged into a wall socket. It's like putting a turbo on your car engine and going, I'm going from here to there because I I got something to do on the earth. And how many of you know, we cannot, we can't build the kingdom on the earth without that power. It is impossible to do. We can't do it on our own y'all. He's not asking us to do something humanly possible. So he's given us the power pack to get it done. So here he is. You're gonna receive power, dynamite, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth, that's us. To the remotest part of the earth, that's everywhere. You're gonna receive power. And then he immediately ascended where he is seated today at the right hand of the father. Those were his last words. Do you think that was important for him to say? Remember, we talk a lot about first words, last words, all the importance of all of that. We should look at that right there and go, what kind of power is he talking about? What is all of this that he's talking about? So what is a witness, a witness? So um, if you think of a trial, And a witness is called to the stand. They are called to testify, testify. That's right. I love it. A witness is someone with a testimony. That's what this verse is about right here. They're going to be the witnesses, his witnesses, all to the end of the earth to give a testimony what Gina preached on. Listen, if y'all didn't hear that message she preached on a few weeks ago at church, not the most recent one, the one before, go back on the app, go back on the church website, pull that sermon up. It was beautiful. It was awesome. But I will tell you something, that the testimony is such a kingdom principle. You cannot talk about the kingdom of God without talking about testimony. You just cannot do it. It shows us God's acts, Which then reveals God's ways, and his ways reveal his nature. And isn't that beautiful? Don't you love learning about the nature of God? I mean, that makes us feel like we know him better, right? When we know his, not only, you know, his um, acts and his ways, but his nature. But we can't know his nature if we don't know his ways and his acts. So that's what that's for. So this teaching, this, what we're talking about this morning, this issue of testimony right now, it has an implication in the life of every single believer, every one of us it has implications for. Um, You cannot separate the kingdom of God from the presence of God. They go hand in hand. God's kingdom and his presence. So the purpose of the testimony from the Lord, and I'm going to read this twice, is to draw us into the pursuit of more of his presence. That sounds so simple, doesn't it? I'm going to say it again. The purpose of the testimony from the Lord is to draw us into the pursuit of more of His presence. That's really what the purpose of it is. To live more fully under the influence of His presence while you and I are living here on the earth. Remember last week we talked about this. We do not need signs and wonders and miracles when we get to heaven. That is not what those are for. Because we're not going to need them there. So hold on I'm missing a page I think yeah because all that's going to be perfected you know everything will be perfected and completed there you're not going to need to go pray for your neighbor because it's going to they're going to it's going to be handled right when we get there but here on the earth we desperately need the testimonies that carry us from one generation to the next right telling of his goodness of his power of his glory And that's what the testimony does. And it goes, it travels from person to person to person. Here we are today telling this story from over 2,000 years ago and the relevance that it still has today in all of our lives. Actually, as Nicole described this morning, it's the most relevant thing in the world is his word in our lives. It's the most important thing. So Deuteronomy that we talked about in the fall when we studied Moses, that word means to say it again. Say it. Repeat it. Tell your children when you're walking, when you're sitting by the wayside, when you lay down at night, when you rise in the morning, say it again and again and again. Tell your children, tell your children's children, tell all the people. Say it again and again. For the sake of testimony to be passed on and passed on and passed on. That's how it happens. So nearly every single great leader in the Bible, all that I could find, all that we can think of. They all experienced the miraculous or, and or the supernatural power of God. Every last one of them. Yet many Christians today try to live without it. We try to do what we can do, Right. And, and, and we say something like that. God will take care of the rest of it. That's our religious spirit talking. Well, we just do what we can do. And God just takes care of the rest of us. I can't do all that. It's just not my part to do it. Because you know why? Because we don't have an answer for it. So we try to explain it away. That's the religious spirit. the are explaining it away. Because Listen, when God moves. you if We rolled up into Asbury College today and saw all those college kids laying on the floor and everything. And they've been there since Wednesday. There is no explanation for that except the power of God. There is no other explanation. You can't explain it away. If we can explain it, it's not God. So there there you go, On, on some levels there. In the absence of miracles, something always happened in the Old Testament, and it really wasn't only coldness of heart and rebellion. They went really well past that. Judges 2:12 says they forsook God. They deliberately turned away from the one true and living God, and that is very big. That is very big. Because you know we have, there's a lot of people out there that are like, I don't need the miraculous. Just God's just been so faithful in my life. I just don't need all that. I just don't need all that glowing in the dark and their head spinning around and you know all the, you know, because 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 guess what? Because people make the Holy Spirit weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird, but people make him weird. So I. Think it is very unlikely that the generation coming after Joshua and those elders, those leaders, they never planned for them to f- forsake God somewhere down the road. They didn't plan that. It didn't, that doesn't come on suddenly. Hello, have you looked at America? That we didn't just get up and go, gosh, they've taken over Disney World or whatever. That has been happening for for literally for decades. There's been an agenda. The enemy plays the long game. And we're just like, you know, bless the Lord. We're a Christian nation. I mean, you know, that's kind of what they thought. That's what they thought. It doesn't come on. It comes, it comes. The forsaking of God comes in an atmosphere that is void of radical obedience, which leads to the miraculous. If you don't have radical obedience, you're not going to see miracles, signs and wonders. If you're like, sign me up for the miracles, signs, and wonders, that's amazing. And we're going to talk all about that next week. But I'm just going to tell you, that is going to come into your life and might count that cost. Because there is a radical obedience attached to that. Joshua had, how many of you know, he had walked in radical obedience for 80-some years. He's like, give me that mountain. That's it. And he did whatever was necessary before the Lord to get the mountain. He, he was well, you know, he, he did. He paid the price for that. Our responsibility is is to carry and release the kingdom of God on the earth in such a way that testimonies become the atmosphere. They begin to create a, I don't know, that's the only word I have, an environment where the Holy Spirit is free to move as he wishes. To move as he wishes. I do not think anybody at Asbury College planned on this happening. There was no planning of it. It happened organically, people would say, but how many of you know the Holy Spirit had an appointment with those students on that campus at this time? And it looks like maybe at Lee University too that it's going on. We're de- designed to live under the influence of the King and his kingdom. That's our design. That's what we were designed for. This means that we make sure that the right things, say the right things, the right things are impacting you and I um, so that when we impact the world around us, we're doing it in a way that God intends. Does that make sense? That's what we want to make sure. We want to make sure our lives are being impacted by the right things, by the right things. So we're going to talk about two keys to keeping the testimony. Two things. And then we're moving on to inheritance. So the first one is we have to fill our hearts and our minds. I'm going to read this twice with the record of what God has done through conversation and meditation. So we have to fill our hearts and our minds with a record, like keeping a record of what God has done through conversation, so talking about it, And through meditation, sitting and thinking on what God has done in our lives, what we have seen Him done, maybe in other people's lives. That is a way of keeping the testimony alive. That is a way of doing that. What it does is it sustains this constant awareness of God for us who invades the impossible. He invades the impossible. When heaven comes to earth, when we are walking in a kingdom situation, what was impossible becomes possible. Your Bible and my Bible says that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. So when that God moves into a situation, the impossible becomes possible. This creates hope. This creates faith. This creates courage. Did you see the girl with her sword? Courage. This creates courage. This creates a hunger to respond to all the impossibilities that are around each one of us all day, every day. Because you look around us and think, this just looks impossible, right? We all do. We all can kind of look out at the world through our lens of you know whatever we're looking at the world through and go, this just seems impossible. But in this environment... In this keeping of the testimony, we're creating an atmosphere where hope is buoyant, faith is alive, courage is there—all, all of it. Hunger, hunger. You, listen, you even have to have a hunger from the Holy Spirit to even want to reach your hand out into the world and see change happen for the impossible to come into the possible. That's it. That's a that's a whole thing right there. Number two, we keep the testimony by remembering. The act of remembering. Now this is very interesting and I want you to just kind of stay with me a minute because it's going to sound like it doesn't tie together. But the Hebrew word for remember, I didn't write it down, but it is the same root word for the word male, like male and female. Now stay with me. The man carries the seed of reproduction when you and I remember God's supernatural intervention in our own lives, then we are carrying in, inside of our hearts, in our spirits, we are carrying a seed to see yet another miracle happen. That's what remembering does, it seeds the next miracle. That's what remembering is, literally, biblically, it is seeding the next one that's coming. How many of you want to see some miracles? Yes. Yes. I heard Pastor Bill Johnson teach on that one time, and I never forgot that. Powerful, powerful concept. Very cool. When we remember... We take the seed of that particular, I'm going to use Gina again. We take it, we deposit it into a new environment and another miracle takes place. So Gina heard Tim's testimony about healing when he was a little boy. That was a a seed. She took the seed, she deposited it into her son, Levi, and a miracle happened. And then a testimony sprang forth that's affecting all kinds of people. Because guess what? He'll heal Gina's son. He's going to heal anybody's son. He's going to heal your daughter or your grandmother or your mother or your father or you. Right? Because he's no respecter of persons. He doesn't love Gina and Tim more than he does any of y'all. He loves all of us the same. And you know what? You know what it takes though? It takes the act of remembering. So because she came that Sunday when Tim was remembering and telling the testimony again, keeping the testimony of what had happened as a child it sprang a seed in Gina's and Ashley's hearts and in their lives for their child. That is powerful. That's the kingdom. That's what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. That's what it looks like. Okay, number two, inheritance. Inheritance. Okay, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you this definition, okay? It's gonna sound very much like a legal term, um, but I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna read it twice so you can get it. It's the acquisition big term, of a possession, a condition, or a trait from past generations. Or it could be a transmission of property, goods, or genetic qualities. So inheritance, the acquisition of a possession, condition, or trait from past generations, or the transmission of property, goods, or genetic qualities. I'm sure if there is an attorney in this room, they could more rightly tell us what exactly is entailed in an inheritance, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to give it my very best shot here. So how many of you, if you were told that you had an inheritance, want all of it? Is there anybody in here that wants to leave some at the bank just for goodwill for the bank? Yes. No. Right. That's yes. So I do believe for the most part though, that's how the church behaves. That's what happens. The church has left so many riches in heaven, right? Because just sitting in the bank, because we begin to think that we only make the withdrawal once we get there, right? So many people believe that. So many whole entire belief systems are around that, entire denominations. See, if we believe that salvation was only about eternity, We never ever walk in or receive all that Jesus died to give us. We never do. Because we just think all that salvation stuff was just about us not burning in hell forever, right? Fire insurance. Got the fire insurance. I'm good to go. You know, that's the deal. If I go home today, I'm going to be home with the Lord. I'm doing the best I can do. But an inheritance is something that we get for free that somebody else has paid the price for. That's what the inheritance is. So think about that in your Christian life, something we get for free that someone else paid the price for. Now, if we don't receive it and then, listen to me, pay a price then to somehow increase it, that may be investing it, that may be doing something to make it grow, right? We have nothing left to leave the next generation, right? I mean, we all know that about the inheritance. None of us want that. No, nobody here. Okay. I want us to go to Romans. We're going to read a couple verses in Romans. I want us to go to Romans 8, 14. I'm going to go to the right chapter this time. 14 through 17 says for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons or the daughters of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery or bondage leading to fear again, but you've been received, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness without, there's that word witness, testimony, it gives a testimony of our own spirit that we are children of God. Mind blowing. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if we indeed suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Heirs of God, like that is like game over, like because error is, you know, that that is a root of the word inheritance. You know, it's got that same thing. This though, this whole deal of becoming is not a one and done deal. It really isn't. That kind of speaks to it a little bit. Receiving and walking in our inheritance is a process and it can take a lifetime to pursue. In fact, I hope it does. I hope as long as I'm here on the earth, I'm always trying to pursue my inheritance in the Lord, right? Because how many of you know there's always more in him? glory to glory to glory, you know, that's what I mean by it's not just a one and done. He's going to reveal it to us more and more and more as we walk with him. That is beautiful. Okay. Ephesians two ten. I love this scripture. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Good works. So what are these good works that you and I are supposed to be walking in? Now, what we do is usually we read that scripture and we immediately think of somebody like Mother Teresa. Right? You think, okay. I'm supposed to clothe the poor, you know, feed, feed the poor, clothe the people, go visit the people in the prisons, right? All the things. But let me tell y'all something. That's not what this is talking about because all those things are humanly possible. They are good deeds and they are good works and we should be doing them. But that requires no dunamis, no power, right? That requires you and I just giving our yes, taking a meal, visiting the sick, whatever it is. That's what that requires. It requires us just going, okay, I can go do that today. I'll carve out some time and make that happen, right? That's what that requires. It does not require heaven to move on the situation. These good works, this is actually referring to the miracles and the signs and the wonders that Jesus performed. Because see, he modeled for us what it looks like to bring the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven to earth. He modeled it for us. He showed us a pattern. He showed us the picture. Notice he did not design a new hearing aid or give them a CNI and I dog. He healed the deaf and he healed the blind, period. That is what he did. And that is what we are supposed to be doing. Uh-huh. That's like an oh me, right, moment. When you realize that, that's sort of like, wow, okay. Because, you know, so many times we would opt to go, let me get you a hearing aid. You know, that's what we would do. We would do what's humanly possible. Jesus is like, I am modeling something for you that is going to become an act of testimony that releases inheritance to the people around you. Because the people around us are dying for lack of knowledge. They're dying because they don't know what the word of God says. They think they know. But they don't truly know what it says. And all of us have a long way to go. None of us have the full counsel of God yet. Not until we get there. We're all learning. We're all having the Holy Spirit reveal things to us. And as it's revealed, we step into a new dimension. We step into a greater place with the Lord. Over and over and over. I really love all of that so much. John 14, 8. Um, Let's go there got to go back. John 14, 8, and I'm going to read verses 8 through 12. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how do you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I don't speak of my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Otherwise, believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, who who believes in me, the works that I do, shall he do also and greater works than these shall he do because I go to the Father. Wow, Uh, that's greater works. That's that's a lot, because we're going to really look at what Jesus actually did next week. It's a lot for him to go, and you're going to do greater works than these. Verse 13, and whatever you ask for in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is clearly stated here. He's not mincing words. Those who believe in him will demonstrate signs and wonders. There is no like wondering about it. Those who believe in me will demonstrate signs and wonders. He was actually commanding them, us, to do the impossible. To do the impossible. Because we look at it and go, "But, but he's Jesus. But did you hear what he just said? you will do this also, and greater works. I can't even get my head around what the greater works would be, right? Because so often we would just be happy with doing what Jesus did as he walked around. He was commanding them to do the impossible because that was their inheritance, and it is our inheritance today. Nothing has changed. The playbook has not changed, y'all. The game that we're in Nothing has changed. Jesus' words hold true yesterday, today, and forever because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We spend our inheritance by drawing on the promises of God for the benefit of the people around us. Remember, the Holy Spirit is in us for you. He is on you for the people around you. When you step into the works of the Holy Spirit, things start happening around you. Yeah, I mean... Like things start happening that are not normal, start happening. So we can't wait until we die to use our inheritance because our purpose on earth requires us to have heavenly resources in order to make them happen. You know, I mean, we can, we can give a cup of water to someone who's thirsty. We can feed people. We can clothe people. We can visit people in prison. We can do all those things, but that's all a human thing. So this requires, this inheritance, it requires heaven's resources for us to push it forth in the earth. The, you know, it says the violent take the kingdom of God by force. That's, this is a picture of it. That's what that actually looks like. The anointing to heal and bring deliverance will be of no value in heaven. I've already said that. Nobody's going to need deliverance. Nobody's going to need healing in heaven that will have no value. They are part of the inheritance package. <laughs> that's an inheritance package that we receive here, right? Because they hold the tools that we need for our world to come to know Jesus. And when they see signs and wonders and miracles, they just are like, many times that's what draws people to the Lord because they, did, they didn't know. They didn't know. They had no idea what God was really like, what Jesus was really like, who the Holy Spirit really truly is. The anointing is a person, and his name is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is not the weird one of the Trinity. He's the power broker. Yeah. Yeah. He's the power dude. He's, who, he's who's going to pick up the electrical cord and pour, plug you into the wall. Because all the rest of the things that we do without the power of the Holy Spirit, anybody can do. It does not take a believer to do any of those things. Anybody can go do. I mean, I'm not saying Mother Teresa was not an amazing woman. But anyone with a heart to do that could sign up. And, I mean, and they did. They went there and studied with her and, and worked alongside her. Many, many people did that. And who knows if all those people were Christians or not. You don't need to be a Christian to go do that. But you need a Christian for this kind of power. You need to be a Christian if you're going to have the anointing of the Holy Spirit on your life. The more we make room for him in our personal stories, the more he will put power in our life and revelation in our life. If you want power in your life, make room for him in your personal stories. Like what Gina was preaching about that Sunday. Make room for him to move. Just just give him a shot. Just give him a shot. Just say, you know what? What else do I have to lose? All this, you know, Holy Spirit stuff. I'm just going to give it a shot and see what's going to happen. Isn't that something? That's, that's what we can do. I love that so much. The family of God inherits his testimony. His testimonies, right? Right? just as members of a royal family inherit their family history. Now, if you know anything about the royal family, they study and rehearse all the records of their ancestors. Did you know that's what they do? You know, because it doesn't just come to them. They literally study it like, like we would study literature or whatever. They study the records of all of their ancestors. And what it does is it gives them this connection with the past And that um, gives them their identity and their purpose, even, in their calling as a royal for their whole lifetime. That's really what they do. It's kind of what we need to do, too. It lays on them a responsibility to do something worth leaving an inheritance to. Right? That's what it does. If the line is broken, then the inheritance is potentially lost along the way. And I'm sure there have been many, many monarchies throughout the history of the world that have lost their their royalty or whatever because of that right there. They dropped, they dropped the baton. They didn't pass it to the next generation in the right way. So there, was, there is a responsibility. But once you and I have said yes to Jesus, our history is even changed forever. Only Jesus can do that. That's a miracle. That's a miracle, a sign and a wonder right there. So once we were on this pathway to hell, right? Right? Highway to hell, who, who sang it? ACDC, highway. To, yeah, a lot of us were there, but now our entire past, our present, our future is brought into the history of God and His people. Now we're part of a people. Yeah. Only God can do that. Yeah. Only God can do that. It's remarkable. That's both the testimony and the inheritance, and that should be the normal Christian life. I actually think uh, anything less is going backwards. So let's talk about revival for a minute. Do you know what true revival is? We've we've talked about this a little bit in weeks past. It is not putting up a tent and throwing some hay down on the ground. (laughs) And saying revival is here, y'all, is here. That is not what revival is. People will tell you that. That, oh, I know this is this is what it is. It's not here. Here's what the revival is revival is when there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that brings an invasion of the presence of the King of Heaven, and that presence displaces all darkness. It does. The prince of darkness is displaced. So revival is when there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which brings an invasion of of the presence of the king of heaven, which displaces the prince of darkness. What's the result? Then you have a true people who are experiencing life and power in the kingdom of God. That's the result of a revival. That should be it. Bodies are healed. Souls are delivered and saved. Believers grow in unity. And ultimately, you have a society that becomes transformed. It brings transformation. Revival, you know when there's a revival because there's transformation on the backside of that thing. It doesn't leak. um, Have you ever seen something? Well, I know you have because we've had hurricanes here. You've seen where the whole landscape is changed after a massive storm like that. That's what happens when revival comes. The landscape changes in that city or town. It is not the same anymore or that church or that school like Asbury. Asbury or Lee University. It changes the literal atmosphere. It's amazing, it's amazing. That's that's what revival actually is. True revival will call people, it will call us, to pursue our purpose in history. You have a purpose in history. You are not born just to take up space on the earth and create your little family and you, your four and no more. Bless the Lord. We're fine. Thank you. That is not what you were created to do. You were created to find your place and your purpose in history. Right. Yes. That's good. That is amazing. Yeah. That's what that movie uh, Nicole was showing. That's what Eli did. He's like, I did it. Yeah. I did it. I did what God asked me to do. God is asking each one of you to pony up in kind of a similar way of what is it he's asking you to do so that you can take your place and go in this place right here. I know I'm going to be walking in my purpose in history. That's a big thing. It's a big thing because what that does, going back a couple of lessons, is that helps us begin to partner with him to walk in dominion on the earth. And that's what brings the kingdom of God It's when that dominion is released through his people on the earth. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Revival is not the Holy Spirit coming and giving you a little booster shot. That's what people think. We get kind of wound, wound down, wound down. Oh, revival this week is the re- revival week. Get a shot in the arm. And then, and then you go along for what, what is it? Every year they come the next year. You're like, I need another shot. You should never need another shot. You only revive stuff that's dead. We shouldn't be dying. We should be living for the Lord. Life in the kingdom. You shouldn't need to be revived all the time. The world needs it. Christians should be alive to begin with. So we just don't need a shot in the arm every 12 months. If we do, something has gone off the track. Somewhere along the way, the curriculum went sideways. Because this right here, that's not what it says. Yeah. If we're walking in miracle signs and wonders, which next week we, are, we may go out of here literally with flames on our head. <laughs> yes. Revival is Jesus coming to help us run a race all the way to the end so we pass the baton to the next generation with, that, with the intent. It has this intent connected to it. Of this, this kingdom momentum that will increase with each succeeding generation. I hope that Casey and Bailey and Eli, I hope they take the things of God and the kingdom of God and push it so much further with their families and their lives in the earth than Tim and I ever have. That is, that is what I hope to finish my race well. All the things here, but I want to pass the baton. I want to have a baton. How many of you know we got to get the baton first? Michelle gave me a baton one time. I still have it. I unpacked it last week. It's red. I love it so much. Just it's like a prophetic thing, you know, because it's a big deal. Like some of y'all are like, where is my baton? Like I just, this is what it is. It's passing on the testimony and the inheritance to the next generation so that they have something to grab hold of and run with. right. 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 You can't just give them, feed the poor, clothe the sick. They should be doing that anyway because they're good people, right? This is like a whole other thing. This is earth shaking. The kingdom of God coming to earth should be massive, massive. To end, I want to read one last passage. It's in Habakkuk. Chapter two, verse 14 says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Revival is to be sustained from one generation to the next as the waters cover the sea. Isn't that beautiful? That's what it's all about, y'all. That's true life in the kingdom. So here we go. You're going to break up into your small groups for 15 minutes. And then I have a great closing for you today. And here is your question. What miracle, now listen, I, y'all, you don't have enough time to give your actual testimony. I want you to keep it short because we only have 15 minutes. You've got to get around your whole thing. What miracle, sign, or wonder in your life affected you the deepest? What one thing that God has shown up in your life with has affected you to the, that it has actually caused maybe your life to change. Maybe it was something that changed the trajectory of a path that you were on at that time. Does that make sense? Okay. So I'll let you know when you got one minute left and then I'll come back and close us out. Okay. When you get, when you guys get back to your seat, you can stand up. You don't have to sit anymore. If you can kind of just make sure your seat gets somewhere in the vicinity of where it was, where it was before. I have something to leave with you. How many of you have ever heard of a, um, I, I would say, that I would say this is prophetic. So I would say y'all can stand up. Uh, I would tell you this is prophetic, but I believe he was a pastor and his name was Charles Spurgeon. Yes. So on July seventeenth, eighteen fifty nine, he gave a—I um, guess it was a sermon—and it was called "The Story of God's Mighty Acts." And this is an excerpt from that. This is his prophetic cry: When people hear about what God used to do, one of the things they say is, "Oh, that was a very long while ago. I thought it was God that did that. So has God changed?" Is he not an immutable God, the same yesterday, today, and forever? Does that not furnish then the argument to prove that what God has done at one time, he can most certainly do at another time? Nay, I think I push it a little further and say what he has done once is a prophecy of what he intends to do again. Whatever God has done is to be looked upon as a precedent. Let us with earnestness seek that God would restore to us the faith of the men of old, that we may richly enjoy his grace as in the days of old. And I made a note history tells us that the church did very little with this truth, except perhaps to applaud another great sermon. But we are now presented with a similar opportunity so Jesus we thank you for being the kindest one that we know we love you Lord and we thank you that you're always carrying us from glory to glory we thank you Lord that when we open your word and it just seems so large in scope that you have a gentle way of putting the magnifying glass over the right place for us and you did that this week for us Lord Father I thank you for your faithfulness I thank you for the Holy Spirit the person of the Holy Spirit that helps us is our helper our comforter who us us to live a kingdom life on the earth. I pray this week, God, that we become more aware of your presence and your glory, and that we begin to live even more fully this life in the kingdom. Thank you for every woman that's here. Bless them. Withhold no good thing from any of them now. I plead the blood of Jesus over all of them, and thank you for them in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 Happy Valentine's Day. I love y'all.